0: Thank you very much. <laughs> praise God. Hey, just in case you're worried that I'm speaking this morning, pastor left notes and his Bible for me just in case, okay? That's a show of confidence of anything, that's right. Hey, praise God. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Someone uh, mentioned this morning and said, Pastor Larry, you are looking super fly. This morning, <laughs> I said, thank you. My mom's going to be here, so I better be. <laughs> but uh, it is a joy to have my mom with me this morning. Gail, Lamb. Mom, if you don't mind, just stand up for just a minute. And then my sister Alicia, who I'm two years older than no matter what she says, is with her this morning just great to have them i know last week was mother's day but my mom wasn't here and i'm gonna take a larry moment okay if i could and just talk about her just for a minute um you know she'll scold me later might might even spank me she still could my mom has 10 children That means that she was pregnant for 400 weeks of her life. In the course of 15 years, my mom had those 10 children. And she has 34 grandchildren. She has 14 great-grandchildren. At the age of 43, my mom was widowed with five children still at home. But instead of cowering to life because of her relationship with Christ, she started college. a month after she buried her husband. And and I think that that she went to school for data processing. Isn't that what they called it back then? Okay. (laughs) Computers, which, you know, hey, she'd been around them her whole life, right? (laughs) Graduated from school with a 3.8 GPA. Now, in the course post that, she... Parented a homecoming queen. Okay. A bunch of cheerleaders. And then a wannabe radio television host, okay? <laughs> and was still mom to a an attorney, a medical professional, and a pastor of sorts. <laughs> okay. Um, she's a hero, and what, what an honor it is to have her here. Um, amazing woman, that's all I can, I could go on forever, but I won't. It's great to have her here, and I'm glad to call her mom. I'm going to tell one funny story, and then I'm going to get into my message. I was attending Bible college and the young people will appreciate this because they think every story I have has to have a girl in it, okay? It's just what it is. And uh, this girl broke up with me. Aw, you know, as hard as that is to believe. She was a little concerned about me emotionally. <laughs> sure. I'm going to try to be good. <laughs> she said, are you going to be Okay. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, I'm going to be fine. My mom really loves me. (laughs) I told someone this morning that whenever I brought Tammy home to meet my family, after she had gone, my mom stopped me because I wasn't 18. I was 25 and I won't finish that story. She looks at me, she goes, okay, listen, listen. You really need to keep her. They don't make girls like that anymore. So now my wife is closer to my mom than me. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, the 11th chapter. I just want to take a minute also and thank you, TFA. Um, We have been here. Almost a year and a half. It'll be the fifteenth of June, uh, five days before my birthday. In case anybody's, I'm just saying, roughly five. It's okay. I mean, not that I'll bring it up or anything. Um, and let me just say, thank you for loving us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for just the encouragement that you bring to us. Um, thank you for helping us do the things that we're doing. Um, I know it's hard um, for a stranger who you do not know to come in and take charge and do things and take kind of take over stuff. Um, a lot of times it's hard for churches to do that, but I just want you to know that I appreciate your support and I appreciate what you let us do because that's really what it is is you let us do this. Thank you for a pastor that lets us chase students across the city. Thank you for a pastor that literally would, he is the match to light the gasoline for every idea, vision, dream I may have. And as you've learned in the last year and a half, that's a lot. But thank you for being, for loving us and showing that love and speaking that love and your words of encouragement. I just appreciate that so much. And it means so much to me. Thank you for loving my wife and children and all of those things. We love you guys, TFA. We are grateful to be in this space. You know, and we believe that we are here by our decision, yes, but we believe that God had a part of that. Um, And we are just grateful to serve you. In every way we can. And if you can come up with new ways, we'll try those too. Okay? But thank you. And thank you for, man, all that we do with the yard set. Just all that we do. Just thank you so much. Thank you, students, you know, for your faithfulness on Wednesday nights and just what we're doing. I, I say this all the time that so many people don't get a chance to see um, what happens on Wednesday nights so much here, but to just watch the growth that's happening among these young people that are allowing God to grow them. And that's what they're doing. I mean, they bless us with that, that help us do the things that we do and serve us because, you know, I mean, we try to do a whole lot of stuff. You know, I say stuff, it's not really stuff. We try to just, man, just do everything we can to make TFA proud and, and, and to have more of an impact in our community. And, but again, can I tell you, that doesn't happen at every church. Every place we've ever been, has that, that's not an automatic. But I want to thank you for your support and your love and you being a part of that. Um, in the book of John, the, the 11th chapter is a familiar story um, at, at moments. And I told Shane earlier that I'm only going to read verses 1 through 45. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I mean I really feel because I want to get to where we're headed and I think this is a familiar enough story that I can highlight some things about it and you'll get the point so that we can get to the meat of where we're going this morning. Okay, and can I tell you, I mean this morning I'm going to preach a message I've preached before which that doesn't happen very often, but it's not a message for the people that are outside of the walls of the church, it is a message for the people that are inside the walls of the church. Because for us to impact what's outside, we have to allow God to impact what's inside. So to this morning, and I'm grateful for everybody outside being here that's here, but this morning, this is a family meeting. In my house, that usually meant we were moving. We're not moving. That's not what we're doing. But we are on the move. And that's what this morning's message is about. It begins in the NIV Bible. It says it like this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you for your word that is anointed. God, I pray that every word I speak, Lord, would be just a a prophetic word into the lives. Lord, I pray for open minds, for open hearts, God, to hear what you're saying this morning. God, through your word and through me, Lord, just anoint my lips. Let me say things that God will change the place people are at today. God, for them to never be there again. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 4 says, "When, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Just what you want to hear when you're dying, right? Right? The person with the help, oh, well, okay, give me a couple of days and then I'll come. Powerful statement Jesus made. Moving down to verse 17, it says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Verse 21, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you believe this which carries us into another conversation and then moving from those verses down to verse 38? Well, I'll start in 35 just because it records an emotion that Jesus, a response to Lazarus' death said, Jesus wept when he went and he saw where he was. Verse 38 and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, in my day, this story would recollect a memory of a guy named Carmen singing a song about Lazarus come forth, okay? I mean, about that. that's just the picture we have. And man, he was so dramatic in all the songs he did, but man, you would see and he just did some things to what that might look like. This morning, I want us to just picture in our minds what that looked like. If we could take a minute and imagine that this sound booth is the tomb. And they roll the stone away and then let's just imagine what it would look like if Lazarus came out and, and of course, you know, Carmen, he would like hop because he said, you know, he was all wrapped up. So then we see on the platform Lazarus is out of the tomb and he stands here wrapped in the grave clothes. I told Josh earlier today that I was going to take a little bit of liberty with Scripture because what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to take and paint a picture for you that the Lord painted for me once about this story. Because you know, how many people have ever read through the Bible? Have you ever read through the Bible and like saw something different than you saw before? And Man, I don't know. I mean, it's just... I'm probably the only person, but Scripture does that to me, and I like to think it, it's it's animated and alive. Imagine God's book being alive! But one morning, one, one at one point, I was reading the story, and then God just put an image in my heart, and He said, "Larry, that's the church." He said, imagine for a minute that this is a story about the church. And the church are the people who at one time lived in a tomb. The tomb and the place of your deadness was you were dead in sin. You were in a tomb. You were dead. Now, you were walking around, but you were dead spiritually. So I don't think that's a far jump to imagine that. But then, too, here's the thing. Because, you see, Scripture says that all of us have been dead. I mean, do I need to go through Romans Road to explain that? All of sin, it says. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. The voice of Jesus is calling to those outside of this building, those people who do not know Christ, come out of the tomb. And you know what we're great at? We're great at getting out of the tomb. We're great at, let me just bounce to the spot. You see, church, Jesus didn't just call Lazarus out of the tomb, though. We're alive! Lazarus stood alive, wrapped up in a whole bunch of death clothes. And he said, Larry... You want to know why people aren't free in church anymore? Because the church is bound in death. Jesus didn't leave him with grave clothes on him. I believe there was a principle that Jesus was putting forth. He said, Larry, unwrapping. He said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, what in the world does that mean, Larry? Can I tell you, I responded to every altar call I heard for the first month I was a Christian. I just couldn't get saved enough. I just couldn't get saved enough to feel good. I just couldn't get saved enough to, man, every time I heard an altar call, man, I was the first one there They said, he's going to Bible college. What's he doing down here? And can I tell you, I promise you I was doing nothing that everybody else in that building wasn't doing. I was just the one that said I need Jesus. Grave clothes. What are the grave clothes that I'm talking about? Well, I know it's hard to believe but I've written a few down. Here's just something that attached itself to me. How about a grave being unforgiveness? Don't judge me now. Tim McGraw sang a song years ago. Called Live Like You Were Dying. And in that song he made this statement. I gave forgiveness that i had been denied i wish that everyone could live like they were dying possibly one of the grave clothes could be unforgiveness in your life in other words give forgiveness to people that don't deserve it, but for you to be free, you better give it. I'm free. Woohoo! I'm out of the tomb. I'm saved. You know what salvation means. What's the problem is is so many people want to go from the tomb to here and then quit. Boom! Ticket to heaven. Woohoo! God forbid the day that we would stop at the lowest common denominator with Jesus and not realize there's more. There are people that have messed you up. You could call their names. But you know what? They're just like you. They need forgiveness. And it's not forgiveness from a creator. It's forgiveness from you. Can I tell you that that unforgiveness will bind you the rest of your life and you can talk freedom, you can jump and holler and run all you want to, but if you don't forgive them, you're bound in your own tomb. That's why Jesus said take off the grave clothes. Another one. Here's another one that, again, just me, probably not y'all. Pride. Can I tell you, there's a good pride. There is. Man, I think that we should be proud. But I made a note here. The kind of pride I'm talking about is spiritual arrogance. Can I tell you, that's what keeps people from responding to altar calls every week. It's spiritual arrogance. Just pride. Oh, I just got too much of Jesus in me. Really? Oh, yeah. Man, we're so elevated. I went to church with a guy that didn't miss Sunday school for 32 years. And if you spent five minutes with him, he would tell you. As a matter of fact, when it snowed or... Tornado came through. He would walk to the pastor's house and say, "We got to do Sunday school." I haven't missed Sunday school in thirty-two years. You know what I thought was kind of crazy is he missed church all the time, but he never missed Sunday school. Go ahead and pile up your spiritual structures. Your proof to God how much you deserve Him. It may be spiritual pride. See, because spiritual pride is what keeps you from loving everyone who walks through these doors. Spiritual pride says, well, they should know me. I've gone here my whole life. Like that's supposed to get you something in heaven? That may be the disease that's in you. Because you've been right there for a gazillion years. But pride, well, if I stand up and go to the altar, somebody's going to think something's, pro- something's wrong. Oh, my God. So you think people think you're perfect? Whoa! Get in line behind me. Because maybe the greatest testimony that you can be to the children The junior high students, the high school student, the college student, shoot, the man or woman that lives with you is to watch you respond and say, yes, God's not, still not finished with me yet. The thing that keeps you from the altar may be the thing that's keeping them from the altar. Now, God's not a manipulator, but he'll use anybody. Pride. How about bitterness? Here's one that'll stick to you. You know, we parented three children, foster and parented about 24. And any time they got bitter, we told them it's time to get better. I'm just mad. I'm just, bitterness is just choosing to just let badness live inside of you. Because the truth of the matter, the people you're bitter with probably don't even know it. They're probably already over it. And it doesn't matter if your church attendance is better than theirs. While you're still trying to be good, they're probably just chasing God. But you're, I'm free, man. I'm out of the tomb. Woohoo! Bitter. I've made the statement before some people need to realize that mean is not a gift of the Spirit because there's a whole bunch of people in church that are mean. Mean, mad. Good Lord. I could preach here a long time. I'm not going to, though. How about hate? Just hate. Can I tell you, I just don't like that word. Hate. I don't... I mean, I've said it before, I hate the devil, but I mean, I got a problem, I even have a problem saying that. I mean, you know, I mean, I dislike him a whole bunch, but I mean, just just the word hate. And it's a choice. Because it's rarely built in any kind of evidence. Now we'll get to some more of that because there's some more preaching to be done. But guys, hate. People that hate. Can I tell you that's what prejudice is? It is hate. It's just hate. Oh, and don't think that racism has has a market on prejudice. There's all kind of prejudice. We want to jump around prejudice. Prejudice is not like in Baptists, not like in Presbyterians, not like in Catholics. Prejudice, it's all over the place. And you know what? It's in the house. Guys, our competition is none of them. Some staff at a church, they had a big race in the community, and you would have thought that that race was the spawn of Satan. I so said, It just amazes me how we want to make things sin so that we don't have to understand that sin is a spirit, it's not a thing. And you know the, you know why? The, you know the great truth of that is this. And teenagers have heard this a thousand times in the last year and a half. We make that sin so that we cannot go near it. And that makes us okay no matter what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Because you know what I love to do? I'm a bad man. I'm going to tell you, I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man because I'm telling I just... I'm a rule breaker from way back. My mom could tell you. I just, I'm telling you. What I love to do with the things that people say are evil is I'm going to go and sit down right in the midst of them and say, well, that chair just needs a little bit of Jesus maybe. Let me go in the deepest, darkest. Let me go into the darkest places. Because you know what? All they need is light. And I don't know if I'm the light they need, but I'm light. I will choose to be light, and I'll take and throw every bit of stuff you want to call sin and say, Sin is in you. It's not on this, it's not on that thing. See, because it's amazing to me, the things they call sin are the things they don't struggle with. But see, that's what messes them up whenever they get that sin is a spirit. It's God saying no when it's legal. (laughs) No. It's the Spirit of God saying no, you can't. No, you won't. And that's to the good things. There are some people who won't make Alabama football games on Saturday sin. No, they're not. No, they're not. No more than Florida Gator football games are sin. At stuff so that we don't have to wake up and say, listen, maybe the place God wants you is an Alabama football game or Florida Gator football game. For years I youth pastor, and people caused every kid that played a sport or couldn't make church on Wednesday night the wickedest thing on earth. Absolutely not. Because can I tell you, does a good teammate leave his team when they've got a game? No. He shows up sits on the bench, plays in the game. But this is what I've always told young people. I don't believe, God may not want you here on Wednesday nights. Not a good teammate's going to be with the team. But I said, man, every time you're in that dugout, you lift up the name of Jesus. Every time that you're in a situation, man, you pray. Say, hey, let's pray. Hey, come on. Because again, it's time we broke out of what everybody else says sin is. Now, don't misunderstand me because I get misunderstood all the time with junk like this. Well, Pastor Larry just said, it's okay for me to do everything. You know what? If you want to be bottle-fed and spiritually burped every time you get a chance, that's fine. But welcome to the majority of Christianity. They're still getting burped. And they want to be bottle-fed. Nice and warm, Jesus. Jesus. And I'm not saying anybody needs to skip church. But God forbid that the only place they could find him is here. Can I tell you one of the things McDonald's taught me was the power to give power to the people around you. That management was releasing people to lead on their own. And not wait for me to give them their next chore. Everybody's waiting for somebody to come give them a word from the Lord. My Lord, people, just do what he's told you to do. Yeah, he can talk to you. That's caused me, my kids have scared me to death over the years. But man, God, they're yours. They're yours. The church is yours. It's not mine. I'm sorry. Bitterness. It is harming you more than it's harming the person you're mad at. And it is holding the lock on a door to your life dead because you won't break the lock and give the key away. I tell people it's kind of like the first time a girl broke up with you or a boy broke up with you. You just just gave up boys and girls totally, didn't you? I know, I'm pretty simple. Absolutely not. I, I liked girls a lot. God forbid that I would like God less. It's amazing how sometimes the things we do with the Lord, it's just not even smart. Well, I'll just quit them. I'm sorry. (laughs) But not really. I'm not sorry. I apologize. (laughs) but You get my point. Hate, bitterness, hate. How about love? What's wrong with that? You're you're keeping it from people, from everybody you meet. My daughter, Abby, I know y'all find this hard to believe, but I talk to people a lot. Pretty much every place I am, I talk to folks. And we'll be wherever we are and having your children with you, it's always fun. Abby will look at me as really, Daddy, they're not your friend. I said, but they want to be because everybody wants a friend like me. I'm telling you, I could be that friend for you. Hey, I met a girl from Butler Friday night, Long, huh? Isn't it great? Yeah, I so said, shoot. She goes to Stillman. It's great. Love. Why is there so much hate when there's so much love? There's so much love. Man, and you're, hey, the voice of Jesus called you from the grave, but you're, but, but you're keeping this love, this about. Well, what if they think I'm weird? They probably already do. I'm just saying they do. Love. Man, I'm free to love. Free to love. I will choose to love everyone I come in contact with. Guess where I learned that? Jesus. When they brought the harlot to him, did he hate her? Did they reject her? Well, you know, I'm kind of holy. we bind it up and think that we have the market on it I was in New Orleans, Louisiana New Orleans, Louisiana at Mardi Gras one year I was a part of an outreach, I had a t-shirt on said I love adulterers, harlots, homosexuals whatever else like that I was a part of an outreach I know, it's a crazy shirt it fit in, it's Mardi Gras This, the gayest person I've ever met in my entire life found me at New Orleans at Mardi Gras. He read my shirt. You know, he said, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what he did? He didn't kiss me. Okay, don't go. Man, he took and wrapped his arms around me and gave me a hug. Man, just, and you know what I did? Man, I hugged him like a man hugs a man that He loves. And I said, man, I love you. I didn't say Jesus. I didn't say deliver him and holy God. I didn't didn't High Tide or nothing like that. And I just hugged him. Like I hugged my son. Like I hug other young men who don't have parents and dads and people that know how to do that. Because let me tell you, as a youth pastor, I don't care if God's got another calling. I want to hug every girl in America the way a man hugs a woman without intent. And I want to hug every man in America to show them that it's okay for men to hug and to love. I'm talking about why? Do we want to hold it back to those that are outside of this building? We are, man, love. Unconditional. With Hey, I'm going to love you if you give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to love you if you don't give your heart to Jesus. I'm not going to not love you. I'm not going to reject you. Why? Because of the times in my life when I was saying I love Jesus, but my life proved that I was unloving him. And he never stopped loving me, Ash. He never stopped. Man, middle of the night phone call, 3 a.m. I had a girl call me at 2.30 one morning the night of her senior prom in Tallahassee, Florida. I said, Pastor I'm at a gas station downtown. Could you come pick me up? I said, absolutely. I bounced up, called one of my youth leaders. That's for all those people. Yeah, you're the ones that get the phone call. Tammy doesn't get up at 3, okay, and go with me. I'm I'm not judging her. I'm just saying. (laughs) I picked her up, and this is what I said. Where do you want to go? She said, I want to go to this address. It wasn't where she lived. So I drove to that address, Cause, and man, I pulled up. C- can I tell you something that'll make a man mad? A girl in a beautiful prom dress, standing in front of the Shell Station at a corner in downtown any city in America at 2.30 in the morning. And I dropped her off, and I looked at her and I said, hey, Julia, just want you to know I love you. I said, just let me know you make it in the house, okay, and you're okay. Never asked her why, where, didn't ask her a billion questions. Love. Why do you want to know so you, So you can tell somebody? To this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know why. But you know what, she had enough sense to get out of the car. Thank God for that. And that's, that's not an indictment against problems and how demonic they are. Again, why do we make things evil instead of admitting we are? I'm really getting somewhere, I promise. Hate, love. How about rebellion? You know, rebellion is that, like, really, that person that, like, is dressed like the devil all the time, and, you know, they're just screaming. Can I tell you what rebellion is? It's knowing what to do and not doing it. Just that simple. It's not the... If I can say this, hopefully I've been here longer. It's not the person that's out there acting buck wild. It's the person that's like not acting buck wild that is internally. Rebellion. And can I tell you, sometimes it's learned at home. When you know what God's told you to do and you don't do it. It's a spirit. As a matter of fact, scripture says it's witchcrafty. And can I tell you, it's never going to be a good end for anybody. And it's not age specific. You know, you don't have to be 12 to be rebellious. You can be 20, 40, 60 and be rebellious. You know why? Because you question everything. You don't know how to just be a good soldier. You know what? God wants you to be a good soldier. My dad was a, was a good soldier. He wasn't always a good person. He was always a good soldier. One Easter morning, he told my mom he wasn't going to church. He just didn't feel like the Lord wanted him to go to church. Wonder where I get my funny ideas from. My dad walked up to a house he'd never been in his whole life. Never been to. Knocked on the door with a track of a picture of Jesus in it. Opened the door. And a a Hispanic individual who spoke no English answered the door. My dad didn't speak any Spanish, and some people would call his English bad. (laughs) Guy went and got somebody that spoke some English. My dad walked in. There were 25 Mexican migrant workers there. 15 of them gave their hearts to Christ. So my dad said, well, what do I do now? So he started a Bible study on Monday nights with migrant workers after they had picked fruit all day. (laughs) Only about 110 of them would show up every Monday night. From that Bible study, my dad said every week it was different because the government kept showing up and like taking them back to Mexico. It was crazy. My dad became a missions organization and didn't even know it. Out of that act of obedience, my dad started three Spanish churches in South Florida. And turn them over to the sins of God. He wasn't licensed. He didn't have permission from them to do any of it. He just did it. You know what rebellion is? Not doing what you feel God telling you to do. Again, I, I, I'm Condemnation is another grave closed. Grace. It's funny how much we are ready to receive it, but how little of it we want to give. And then the last thing is gossip. Sometimes people want to know details about your life just so they can tell somebody else. They call them prayer requests sometimes. Why? Why would we choose? Imagine if Lazarus had come out of the grave and said, really, leave the grave clothes on. I kind of like this look. But spiritually, that's what so many times we've done in our lives. That's why we're not free. You know why people aren't free in the, outside the church? Because we're not free in the church. There are things. What does your grave clothes look like? What's the one you're holding on to? I'll say it like it says it in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter, starting in the 19th verse. It says this in the Message Bible, just to not let pastor down. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental, emotional garbage... Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone. Into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parities of what community looks like. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know if you use your freedom. This way you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Years ago, a guy named Jamie Buckingham was on a show called The Donahue Show, and that lets you know, I'm really an old guy, okay, because a lot of people don't even know what that is. And it's whenever homosexuals were just starting to come out of the closet, and Donahue was kind of a cutting-edge guy <laughs> back in the day. J- Jamie Buckingham, a hippie that got saved, that's all he was, was on Donahue with him, and. Phil Donahue looked at Jamie Buckingham and he said, he said, Pastor Buckingham, but he says he was born that way. And Jamie Buckingham looked at him and said, I was born a sinner, but I didn't have to stay one. How many? Man, you've answered the call to salvation, and then we act like that's all there is when that's just the starting block. The question is this: Are you ready to be free? Are you ready to say, "Okay, Pastor Larry"? Then I'm saved. Can I tell you that salvation is so much more than just a ticket to heaven? You have you have only, like I said, you're living in babyland spiritually, and there are people that live there their whole lives. And that's what makes people think Christianity is boring. Why would I want to do something like that? Can I tell you the day that it became real to me that I could do anything, anything, because God loved me that much. I could go anywhere. I've been empowered to set captives free. I am the voice of freedom. I am the hands of healing. Oh, but what if I'm wrong? What if you're right? right. What if I mess up? What if you don't? Well, Pastor, I'm not good enough. Great, neither am I. Every reason you can come up with to be disqualified, there's an answer to it. And the truth is, is it's nothing but fear. My sister sent us a quote by John. Gordon yesterday. It says, fear will paralyze you until your purpose becomes greater than your fear. Do I I need to read from Matthew? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Do I need to go through the different scriptures? I mean, hey, I wrote a couple of them down. You know, because it doesn't stop with that. I mean, we're familiar with John John eight eight thirty six. He who the Son sets free is free. Galatians two twenty. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And everybody who doesn't serve Him, and we are the agent of Christ to this city, to this neighborhood, to our jobs. The reason we're bound is because of us, not him. But what will we do? Wouldn't you guys stand with me? Start that song, if you would, Shane. The question is this morning. What is the grave cloth you're holding on to? Maybe I named it, maybe I didn't. The altar is a place to be altered. If you walk out of here bound, it's because of you, not because of him.